Lord Jesus, what a wonder you are, Lord, fairer than ten thousands. What a sweet and wonderful, blessed Savior that you are, Lord, how kind and merciful. Lord, we sang earlier that you're our priority, that you're our treasure. Too many times, Lord, we do not treat you that way. Too many times, Lord, we get lazy, we get busy with things that do not matter, Lord, and we forget to worship you. We forget to give you praise and kneel at your feet, Lord, and and just pour out our sacrifice to you, Lord God. I pray you forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for looking at things of this world and and getting stuck and and just trying to trap down by the things of this world that that do nothing but decay, Lord, for there's nothing real but you, Lord. I pray tonight in this service that your word will move such in a way, Lord, that it would so cinch it down in our hearts, Lord. It would so put you in the foremost forefront of our mind that, that you would be constantly from this moment forward, Lord, our entire priority, Lord. That we couldn't breathe without you. That we couldn't think without you. That we would give you the glory that you deserve. How we appreciate your presence in this place tonight, Lord Jesus. We cannot make it without you. One second out behind your precious blood, we would be gone, Lord. But you're able. You're more than able, Lord. We thank you tonight for meeting our needs. We thank you for being our healer, Lord. We, we lift up our brothers and sisters that are in need tonight, thinking of Sister Michelle laying there in the hospital room. Lord, you've spared her life yet again. You, you've given her a, a mercy yet again, Lord. I pray that she takes, takes heart to that and that she surrenders all of her life to you, Lord. I pray that in that each one of us would see your mercy to her and surrender all of our lives to you, that, that it would no longer be us anymore, but it would be you and you alone. Bless my brothers and sisters tonight. I pray that you would help us. They would keep our attention focused on you, Lord, not on me, but on you. That we would receive this word, Lord, not as offended, not as hurt, not as scarred, not with our guard up. But, Lord, as you speak into us tonight, touch each one of us. We appreciate you so much. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in your most beautiful and precious name. Amen. 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 God bless you tonight. It is an absolute pleasure to be able to stand and worship with you in this building. Tonight, we are standing in a miracle, in an absolute miracle, what God has done for us. If you don't understand, give me some few minutes after service, and I will make it very clear. This does not happen. I've been told by people from other states, by people from other countries, this does not happen. Yet here we are, and I say, blessed be the name of the Lord. He's so kind to us, so wonderful. While you're standing... Turn to John chapter 15 with me. You think about that song that we just sang, and that was taken from inspiration of David sitting there. He said, the noise of thy water spouts. He said, Lord, it's like a deep calling, a deep calling unto me. 
drawing me. You have things in this world that catch your attention that are shiny. Thank you, Aaron. That, that what, just seems to absorb all of your day, all of your thoughts, all of your, your, your appointments and all that. But they truly mean nothing. David, in his day, he come to a, 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 a place in his walk with the Lord that there was none like him. There, there was none that, was, that, 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 that held a higher place in David's heart. It meant everything to him. Even his friends, even his enemies would say, that man loves the Lord. Amen. And everything he does is for the Lord. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus is speaking. Our, our, our Bible app, on our, my Bible doesn't have the words in red, but you know who's speaking here. This isn't just a prophet. This isn't just a man. This is the great Elohim speaking in human flesh. He said, I am the true vine. And as we read these words, think about whether or not you agree. It doesn't just, uh, you just can't say, well, that's what it says. But you find that your flesh will fight you all the time. You find that doubt will fight you all the time. So as we read this, be very conscious and think about these words and see if you yourself actually agree with what he says. He said, I am the true vine. Your heart would say yes or no. My father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. For ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. Except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. He went from more to now to much. For without me, you can do nothing. Now most people, if they were to be honest, they would admit that their flesh cried out to that, I can do some things. I can do what I want. I can do what I think. But again, is the word true or not? Just because he said it doesn't mean you have to believe it. You've got to overcome your flesh daily as well. Without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire and they're burned. He's actually speaking as a prophet there telling you about what is done in the days of, uh, you know, it's time to throw them in the lake of fire. He said, but if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You may be seated tonight. God bless you. I appreciate, appreciate each one of you coming out tonight. I pray the Lord blesses you. There's many great things in his word. If, you, if you've read it very long at all, and if you could only believe 10% of it, if you in your heart could say, Lord, I'll take 10% of your word and the promises that you have, and I can place that in, in actual use in my life, I, I think you'd have a pretty good day. Pretty good day. Pretty good day. Our, 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 our title tonight is the Enveiled Word of God. The Enveiled Word of God. And we spent a lot of time on Sunday about the gift that was given in our day and the opening of the Word and, and all that God has done and His mercy to us in this day to reveal those hidden secret mystery truths that all through the Bible tells you have been hid since the foundation of the world. And in that, you, you find the first express attribute. You have Adam and Eve upon the, the planet, the first two people. 
And as we say many times, just to be as plain as can be, they lived after the, the foundation of the world. You, know, you understand, these things were hid before even Adam and Eve was born. The prophet would tell you that this was what was in the back part of God's mind. These were his expressed attributes. And I, and I say this a lot, I understand, but I, I want you to understand how real it becomes to you. He's not a fly-by-night God. He's not a hit and miss. He's not a, well, I guess I'm stuck with you. I guess I just have to be with you, and I guess no better choice. But he's not like that. He's very specific in everything that he does. And in a purpose and an expressed attribute of someone like him, like I said, if you look at everything that he's designed, you wouldn't think he's haphazard. You would think, and honestly, that everything he's done has a very, has a very perfect future to it. He's not made anything that fails. He's not made anything that fails. Now, perversion happened, and it did what it's done to the planet, and now you have death because of sin, but that was not the original creation. That was not God's intention. God's will was to be perfect. That's the truth. <clears throat> and you understand that, that everything that Adam and Eve lost, with their, they're making that wrong choice. That God, if this was what he wanted... If it truly was what God wanted before the foundation of the world for that you might know him. The deep, hidden, secret, mystery truths that the Bible goes over and over and over about. Kind of dropping nuggets here and there. Deep, hidden, secret, mystery truths hid before the foundation of the world. You believe that if he really did that, then he would want you to know it. The prophet would tell you that God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He wants to give you revelation more than you want it. We shared that recently with you about, uh, is it Revelation 7, uh, no, Revelation 5, with you have the 24 elders and the four beasts before the throne and, and, and how that, that even looked at your body. You're looking at your body and you think, well, I, I'm just, uh, I just happen to be here. My parents just happen to meet. They just happen to get together. They just happen. They just happen. No, no. Every part about you was predestinated, foreknown before the foundation of the world to serve the Lord, to live for the Lord, no matter what goes on anywhere else. See, this is where Satan would get on your flesh and say, well, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. We just read that to you about someone. Well, I'm not really bearing fruit, but it's no big deal that I'm not bearing fruit. No, it's a very big deal. A very big deal. John talked about the Pharisees. He said that, uh, that you say that you're of the seed of Abraham. He said, God, he said, it's better to throw an axe to the root of the tree and chop you down if you're not producing fruit. But I'm actual seed of Abraham. It doesn't matter. You're not producing fruit. Something's got to change. And he's telling you that as your life is shifted and you now begin to produce some fruit. Well, okay, I'm doing okay. I've got a 2% success rating. I've got a 5% success rating. I go to church twice a year now. Maybe I go 20 times a year. Maybe I read my Bible once a month now. Maybe I'll read a chapter uh, every few weeks or maybe I'll spend two minutes in prayer. You understand? A little bit of fruit. You've you got to give him more fruit. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of all your time. He's worthy of all your thoughts. He's worthy of every time when you wake up to you go to sleep. He's worthy of every single second of your day. If you do not believe that, don't waste time calling yourself a Christian. Don't lie to people telling you're a Christian because you're not. The, the real meaning of a Christian is not to be Baptist, not to be Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Methodist, anything like that. The real meaning of a Christian is simply to be Christ-like. Now, to be Christ-like is to be like the Word. Amen. Like the Word. And many, many people, they say they're like the Word, but they find things they disagree with. 
well, it don't really mean that, or it only meant that then. It doesn't mean that now. And they'll go backwards and forward. And all they're doing is literally picking and choosing what they think is true in the Word. It's just human nature. It's really just human nature because of the fall and the sin curse. All the, you, you, you find things that if it's anything shiny, something entertains you, you'll be all about it. You're, you'll give it all day long. You'll, you'll find yourself at 2 in the morning still watching some show or reading some book, but you can't spend two minutes reading the Word. Doesn't catch your attention. Doesn't uh, uh, you know, it's sufficiently impressed with it. Nothing else matters. Amen. Nothing else matters. Anybody disagree? Nobody I disagree? Apologize about that. I should have let up. But nothing else matters. Satan wants you to think anything else you're doing is is of value, but it's not. He is what's of value. It's just the truth. He is what's of value. So again, if, if it was this kind of person's intention that you might know him, then I guarantee you he would make a way that it's possible. Guarantee you. If it's this person's will, the same one that designed uh, oxygen, that designed water, that designed every fabric, every molecule, every dirt, every grass, if he's so thorough on something like that and, and somehow, just by happenstance, the world's still spinning today, the sun is still spinning, everything is still happening then I would imagine he could make a way that you'd understand it. Not just know him, but understand him. Well, okay, I believe there's a God. I'm talking about knowing him in the loosest sense. I believe there's a God. Okay, let's narrow it down. I believe his name is Jesus. Okay, let's keep narrowing it down. Keep na- tighten your, your binoculars up. Tighten your telescope up as you're looking at him. If you look at him with a very broad view, and this has been the case for so many years, it, 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 so the perfect example would be with a pair of binoculars or a telescope or a, 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 a scope on a rifle. If you're trying to look afar off and you're not perfectly tuned in with your telescope, magnifying glass, any of those things, you'll be blurry. Or you'll see two or three of something. Am I right with me? You'll see two or three. But when you start tightening that focus up, and you start to pull them all together, and you start to get a good cluster. Anybody ever shot a rifle in, and you're trying to sight your scope in, and as you're trying to shoot for something, as you're trying to aim for something, your, 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 your pattern will be all around your crosshair and not tightened up, and you want it to hit the dead center. Anybody ever shot anything, any kind of rifle? You wanted to hit dead center. You're not going to go home just like, check me out. I, I never hit the target, much less the edge of the board. I never even, never even hit the board. You're bragging about it. You're not going to brag about that. You're not going to be impressed with, man, I shot the door all the way up around it, never touched the target. No, in your own uh, longing for, for something to get better, you want to tighten those grouping up. And, and your goal, the end goal, is not just to be a two inches off from a thousand yards, but you want it to be hole after hole after hole after hole every single time. Right, and I'm just using this. Most people, even don't shoot, you understand what I'm talking about. You want it to be dead perfect every single time. And if you're firing something, we've talked about trajectory here recently. If you're firing something, and this is what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark. Aim dead and relaxed. I miss the mark. You're firing at something. Uh, if you're shooting and you miss the target by even a sixteenth of an inch, even a quarter of an inch, you're still very, very close, but you still miss the target. How many knows that your bullets just stop right there? It keeps you close. No, they keep going and going further, 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 and further away from the truth to where they end the day, you don't even look like a Christian anymore. Don't even look like it. Don't even resemble what this book says anymore. Well, which version of that book? It ain't about the version. It's about the life that lives within it. 
Now, I, I've told you, I personally, I, I love the King James Version. That's because that's what I was raised up on, I, and that's just what I'm comfortable with. I'm not against you if you have another one you want to look at. My, my point would be that you get to Christ. Amen. Get to Christ. And he's the one that gives revelation. He's the one that gives understanding. He's the one that will open your eyes, open your ears to the truth. And, and it, I, I tell you that if he's doing that, then you can read a New International Version and see only him. Because this is him speaking. You understand? This isn't, well, because many people can read the Bible as like, it doesn't, how many thousands, how many millions of people have a King James Version Bible, yet still don't believe what it says? I, again, I'm not trying to, you know, propagate one way or the other. I'm just, just talking about getting to him. Getting to him. And again, I said that we, we worked on that so much on Sunday uh, about what God has done in this day. You know, there's been, on, uh, been humans on the earth for around 6,000 years. <clears throat> Roughly around 6,000 years. Uh, and if you look at uh, history and patterns of history, uh, it, it, generally every 2,000 years something very significant happens. <clears throat> Anybody? lived on this earth very long. Every 2,000 years, something very significant happens. 2000, uh, the first 2,000 years, from Adam all the way down to Noah, that you had a destruction of the world. You had the, the Andalusian destruction, that, that flood come in, washed everything off. There were only, what, six survivors? Eight survivors. Oh, sorry. Eight survivors outside of Enoch. And then you have 2,000 years after that, you have the Lord Jesus coming in flesh, giving his life as a ransom for you, taking that blood and putting it on the mercy seat so that you might be set free and he take your place. Everybody's still following? That's 4,000 years into it. And it's not just a, uh, I know that it's so easy with, uh, with church world and with, with, uh, with commonality and with, with laziness and the way Satan uh, tries to make things not really mean what they mean. And, and I say it like that because he's always constantly trying to change words. This word don't mean this. This word don't mean this. But, but if you really can truly grasp on that he died for you. Not just for your neighbor. Not just for someone else that you would think is a very religious, very sold out Holy Ghost. But for you. That he did it for me. So you understand. All of creation. Fast forward 4,000 years, now we've got redemption. He's making an access for what Adam lost. Now you come up to our day, 2,000 years later. Now I'll take just a minute in these last 2,000 years. You have such a, uh, you never is a time before that except for these last 2,000 years. Can you look back in a period of time where they would use the phrase, the dark age? No time, but in that previous 4,000 years, has it ever been described as a dark age? Now, the scripture, this is not nothing. This didn't throw a curveball at the scripture. And, and it come out about saying, well, I never saw that coming. The scripture prophesied such a thing. He said there'd be coming a falling away. There'd be coming a falling away. There'd become a famine, not a for bread, but there'd be a famine for hearing the word. It talked about men that were reprobate, that were corrupt mind, that were so selfish and so all about their own agenda. They used their own thoughts, their own ways, and so indwelt. And they themselves were possessed by Satan that literally took hold of the word of God and, and changed the meaning of it. And watered it down in the eyes of the people to where it meant nothing. Now, you can find the most common, uh, everyone would most understand the most common use of that would have been the Catholic Church. From um, roughly 125 A.D. up till 323 A.D. 325, I get those mixed up, 333 A.D. Whenever Nicene happened, Nicene Council happened, I get those dates mixed up, forgive me for that. So in that 200-something years, things got really, 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 really bad. So bad that Ahab and Jezebel would have stepped back and said, whoo, what wouldn't live then? 
so bad that, that Nebuchadnezzar, that Belteshazzar, that any of those, that are those days back then that probably even Herod would have been, woo, would not have lived then, wouldn't want to have lived then. Herod called himself a, a believer. Herod would have, the tetriarch would have said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm in this thing, I'm this thing. But, but even him, you know, with him looking at it and saying, that's really, really bad. Now, what that did in those days, they took the word of God and they started tearing this out, tearing this out, tearing this out. That it just, I'm not trying to pick on the Catholic Church, but I'm just telling you history and things where they were based. That you, you can find Catholic Bible where they went through and would change verse after verse after verse. And it would it'd be the most oddest and strangest thing. If you've ever read the book Smucker's Glorious Reformation, it's, it's only about 150 pages or so, but it's a pretty in-depth detail of from taken from their council papers. Uh, you have the Council of Trent, Council of Nicaea, actual letters signed by those bishops, those popes, those clerics that were doing this. We changed this scripture and we now say this scripture over and 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 over. Dark ages. Dark ages. Horrible time to be alive. Horrible time to be alive. They would rewrite it, and I wish I had the book here with me to tell you the exact the scripture. They would take, uh, and I almost want to say it somewhere in Corinthians or something like that. They would take just a, a, a beautiful passage of scripture, and you'd be reading along, and you'd come down to a part where it's fitting with it, it's, it's flowing with it, you're understanding what it's saying, and then just as randomly can be, if your neighbor's not Catholic, you need to kill him in front of people. Now keep reading along. And you're just thinking... And that, where did that come from? They would insert it. Uh, again, I'm not trying to pick on the Catholic Church. I'm just talking about history. Anyone of you can find this. This is, this is history. This would be that great church, that great, that great, you know, the great whore and it, with her seven children. As they continue to water it down, you come up through each one of those denominations and, and God would, in just the church ages of this last 2,000 years, from everything from Ephesus all the way to Laodicea, that you find that there were uh, glimmers of light and then those men would go on and then they would denominate under a certain thing and then it would go just as far away from the truth as it ever had been. Uh, for example, Lutheran, Martin Luther standing up to that deal with, this, um, with his, uh, the thesis against the Catholic Church and he nails it to the, the, the church door there. And the bulk of his revelation was the just shall live by faith. The bulk of that revelation, the just shall live by faith. That's not even very much of a sentence straight out of scripture. The just shall live by faith. The reason why that God quickened in them and he actually had a visual apparatus that he can look at something and say... That seems wrong. What could be true if that's wrong? And it all come from selling indulgences, selling, uh, you, you have trinkets, you have this, you have purgatory. If you give me your, your loved ones passed away, if you give me $100, we'll get one foot out. If you give me $200, we'll get a knee out. If you give me a, th- you understand, this has been done for, you know, 2,000 years. And they'll buy them out and buy them out and buy them out. I've shared that with you before that I've got a very good friend of mine that, that is a very um, paid up member. Very, very paid up member. Very, very wealthy person. And one of their parents was passing away and had been a very wealthy paid up member. And had she had told me that that, that she didn't know that when her mom died, if she'd even get into heaven. That she'd have to go to purgatory. And she said, for that matter, I don't even know if I'm going to get into heaven. So as far as what they require, I guess, I don't know if they check your, your, your bank record or your, your tax records or whatever it is. And they, you, know, you need to pay this amount, and they're way above. You know, it's all do's and don'ts. It's things that they would require. And this is what Martin Luther would look at and say, that's not right, and that's not according to the Scripture. And God quickened that revelation to him out of the Bible, that one sentence, the just shall live by faith. 
One sentence. See, Jesus, as Satan would come at him in the wilderness and would come at him so hard and all those different temptations, we even touched on that Sunday briefly about you have the lust of the flesh, you have the lust of the eyes, and you have the pride of life. And that's what each, each person, uh, every human, has to go through. You have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, everybody understands that. I don't need to take time to explain that. So you have each person have that struggle. He comes at Jesus in those three different tests and in those three different categories, and he comes at him. He said, the word said this. Jesus would always say, but the word says this. He corrected the error every time with the word. Satan would take the word, try to twist it to say whatever he wanted to say. And the person that is the word that was standing there in flesh would say, the word says this. And Satan would come again. Now it ain't like this. The word says this. No, the word says this. And he would tell him that man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is in your, your gospels. It talks about the temptation of the wilderness. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I know I'm taking a long time on this, so please forgive me. Each word is creative. We say this a lot. Every word is creative. Out of this Bible. We'll just take this right here. Every single word is creative. If God can take that one sentence of the just shall live by faith and change so many thousand people's lives off that one sentence, the just shall live by faith. And this is something that I didn't actually realize. As bad as it was in that system, and you had so many uh, people that were leaving the Catholic Church to go on to a Protestant, uh, that's the way they would describe themselves, to protest the Catholic doctrine, the Catholic or you know, religion, things like that, that it, yes, their lives got better by leaving it, but it actually made the people in the church his lives better too because it shined a light on all the heresy and the nonsense that was going on in that religion think about that that it made their lives better because by them people leaving it made them say well i guess we can't get away with everything we've been getting away with and it actually made the people that stays lives better and again off of one sentence changed so many people's lives now, in that day, there wasn't a Bible that many could read. There wasn't a Bible that you could just go to any store and uh, you know, any kind of Bible anywhere. It was a very, very rare thing to find a Bible, and that's why they had such access. They, had, they used the, 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 the phrase or the statement, they had chained it to the desk. And they chained the Bible, the word to the desk. Uh, you, you don't need to read the Bible yourself. You need to let me read it to you. That way I can teach you what it says. Now, there is an, there, you know, Satan's always trying to twist and pervert everything. If Satan is telling you that it's dark outside, there's going to be a lion there somewhere. If you're standing at noonday and the sun is shining in its strength and Satan tells you the sun is shining, I promise you he's trying to twist something. Everybody understands that. Your enemy, your adversary, is a, he walks around like a lion, which is a bluff because the Bible said he's like a lion because he's not actually a lion. He's a con man. He's a bluff. He's a liar. He's a perverter of the truth. He's a terror down of good things of God. Everybody understands. So when he tries to tell you anything, it's got a, it's got a lie to it. And any lie, they say the better, the better, the best lie will have 99.9% truth in it. That's as far as the different people that are good at lying and scams and, and cons, they say that's the best lie that has that much more truth in it. But again, if there's someone out there that's having success at, at tearing down the way of life and tearing down the word of God, then there must be someone else that wants it to be clear and wants it to be understand, understood. 
You follow me? I know I'm taking a long way around to, to make this plain. If you can, I've said this a lot, in a negative aspect, most of the time, there, we, we see more negative than you ever see a positive. So much so that many people have never seen in any particular category and area an actual positive thing in that area. You follow me? They've only seen a negative. They've only seen a negative. So if you were to take that, and I say this all the time, is if you were to look at a contrast and to see that everything that God is not, which is your enemy, which is the perversion, everything that God is not, if he's not those things, then he must be the opposite of those things. That the actual truth must be so powerful and so engaging and so life-changing and literally self-altering that Satan would do a 365 day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the minutes, all the seconds of a day, full out press against you to take your time, your attention, your thought, your focus from what will change your atoms. I don't know if, about y'all, but there have been many times that Satan fights me to keep me from reading my Bible. If you sit down and read your Bible, your phone will go off. Someone will walk in the room. Someone will email you or someone will start making noise in your house or even next door. What a coincidence. Just a coincidence. <clears throat> no such thing. Your enemy, your adversary, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. But the, the truth as we said, we built up to this point that's been made clear, that's been brought into access and brought into availability by the word of the hour and the prophet of this day that has been made clear, that's been thoroughly vindicated. And we, you saw the picture that was on the board earlier as far as it was actually vindicated by the FBI that hangs in the Washington, D.C. Not anymore, it's in a shelf now, but, but actual vindicated proof of God. In a time where I think if you were to run a poll, at least 60% of the world were atheists, don't even believe God exists. Much less believe the Bible was true. There's so many people that believe the Bible as a, uh, they'll use the word allegory, they'll use the word as myth, they'll use the word as, uh, well this is just kind of like a, a, little, a little drama just drawn up. None of these things actually happened. Anybody ever heard that? Then these things never actually. It's just a. It's just a. Just a myth. Just a fable. Heard someone use that word recently about the fables of the Bible. So the Scripture says, and again, you, you don't have to believe the Bible, <clears throat> but the Bible is the only thing that's true. Amen. That's a bold statement. That's a bold statement, but the Bible is the only thing that's true. What you think, what you feel, your current circumstance is not above that Word of God. Uh, you find it in Isaiah, it's Isaiah 55, that he said, My ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, it's so high above yours. But I have had the things that I want, and I have the things that I desire, the things, most of the time they're not the things of God. But there is a part of God in you that has been mercifully kept, and I use that phrase, mercifully kept, mercifully and so graciously protected and kept alive. Just for the, the, the handful of people that are here in the room tonight, and even those that might be watching the recording, I wonder if you could take the time to sit down, go back through your life, and start writing down how many times, different circumstances, different situations where you should have died, or went insane, or lost your mind, or any of those things. Some of you are pretty young. Satan had already tried to kill me before I was 18 years old, several times. 
Somehow, he wasn't allowed to. I said mercifully protected. Mercy. This isn't anything of me. This isn't because of my bank account. This isn't because of the shoes I wear, by my haircut, by my clothes, the way I dress, my skin color, my weight, and where I'm born. None of that stuff matters. What matters is the divine favor of God had mercy on me and kept me alive. Anybody else agree with your own life? It's been his divine favor and his supreme mercy that kept you alive to this moment. Now, as we said, 2,000 years ago, he paid a price for your salvation. And we said this on Sunday. We said quite a bit. Redemption has two parts. It, it just, just the baby being born, the, that eternal deity wrapped up in human flesh and in a baby form as we were celebrating on Sunday, not the actual birthday of Christ, but we were celebrating it. But that actual deity in that baby form never saved you. If he just, he was here as a baby, he went away, then you're, you're still just as lost as lost can be. Just as lost. Didn't help you whatsoever. If just at 30 years old he had given his life or passed away in his sleep or fell into a coma or brain damage, that, that wouldn't have helped you whatsoever. But the scripture must be fulfilled. There's a scripture laying in Isaiah that talked about a child must be born and upon that child the government would be upon his shoulders. Now, uh, the reason why it would be described is this, that way that as a prophet is jotting these things down there in Isaiah, and God is reading these, these truths into his heart, into his mind, lip to ear, whatever it might be, he's trying to write, he's trying to keep up all of those 66 books, that are the chapters of the 66 books of the Bible that he has prophesied in that one book of Isaiah, trying to write it down. So you're telling me that he's this, you're describing him as this. That's a weird way to describe a man that the government would be upon his shoulders. I never even heard a king described that way. An earthly king, an earthly patriarch, an earthly uh, bishop, ruler, uh, czar. Never heard one described as the government shall be upon his shoulders. But he will be almighty God. Can you imagine Isaiah trying to write this down as God is speaking that to him? Okay, okay, Isaiah 9, we're working out through that. Wait, did you say almighty God? And he's going to be born a virgin. Why would he have to be born a virgin? What would the significance of that be? That takes you all the way back to sin in the garden. Otherwise, what was the point of being virgin born? It's not just a coincidence that that was. It's not just a coincidence. As they're telling him that he's a Beelzebub. He's all these different things. And he looks at the Pharisees and tells them, you're of your father the devil. And they respond the most weirdest, strangest comeback you ever heard of, saying, we're not born of fornication. Coincidence, huh? But a path had to be made. And I, I said, we spent a lot of time on that Sunday. Uh, what cost to buy you? What it cost to purchase you? What it cost to redeem you? Not one person sitting in this room tonight should take that it lightly whatsoever. You should be transfixed hearing about that. If you ever knew you were lost. If you ever knew you needed a God. If you ever come to that place, there are younger people here that have not come to that place that, that I can't go another second without him. I, I know that if he doesn't change, I know where I'm going to end up. But when that mercy comes in and it changed everything, you realize right then you were bought with a price. That happened 2,000 years ago. But when it became manifest and quickened to you, it just now got real. He bought me. He bought me. 
Now, we talk a lot about his character and what kind of a, a person that he might be. He's not at all boastful. He's not at all a braggart. He's not at all a one-upper. This, this one we're talking about. And, and I say that because he's the greatest. He's the highest. He's the oldest. He's the biggest. He's the most powerful. There's none like him whatsoever. And you'll never hear him say it. Never hear him say it. I was listening to the message, uh, the time of decision, uh, last night, and the Brother Bram was talking about Eliezer coming there to the, uh, the, the well and coming to Rebecca's family and going to tell him about his master and there to get a wife for Isaac. And, and you notice he said that, that he never said, well, I'm, you, I'm, the, I'm the chief of his house and I'm the biggest man in his house and I'm the number two guy and never said a word about that. He only ever said, my master, my master, my master, my master, my Abraham. My, you understand, he wasn't never once, well, let me tell you what I've done. It was always. Look what he done. Look what he done, and we shared that with you. I, I was so impressed uh, in that uh, the second cha- uh, second season last show of the chosen, uh, and they're talking about the beatitudes and blessed are the meek, those that hunger after God, blessed are those. You know, and he tells them that it's a pattern, and he tells him Matthew in the show. I understand it's a drama, but but it got me thinking about something. He tells him he said it's a pattern, it's a map, and he said how can it be? He said because when you find this spirit. You've just found me. Meek, lowly, no beauty that you might desire him, but God. But God. Again, a lot of groundwork, I understand. This kind of a one that would go so far as to give his own life, that would go so far to not just come and die in a, well, when, like I said earlier, went asleep, fell, you know, passed away in his sleep, or maybe it was uh, suffocated and, and just kind of went to sleep, or got cold and froze to death and went to sleep. You, know, you understand, I'm, I'm giving better, maybe better ways to die, maybe easier ways to die, because there are many easier ways to die. The, the Roman crucifixion was considered the absolute worst way to die. The, the, the scripture says, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now again, it goes back to the garden and what that scripture means. Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Now, the, he, he could have easily passed away in his sleep. He could have done anything he wanted. Any way he wanted to go, he could have done that. Will you agree? Uh, any way he wanted to die, he could have done that. He chose to let them do to him what they did. Now, he, knowing that it must be blood. That it must be a blood sacrifice. And it can't just be, you know, stab him in his artery, pump out so many quarts of blood, pour it on the altar, and be good to go. No, he, 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 he knew that you'd get sick. He knew that your body, that it would be a, because you had that type of the, uh, of the sacrifice all through the Old Testament. And it wasn't just the sins. <clears throat> As you, would, <clears throat> you would bring your sacrifice to the priest. In the Old Testament. And they would take in, they would examine the sacrifice. It would all be the perfect for the flock. It would be the best, all these different things. No spots, no mars. And then they would take in, they would kill that sacrifice. They would put that blood on the altar. And all it would do would be just push the sins forward one year. One year would push it forward to the next year, to the next year. And what he did, it was one sacrifice for all. Now, that is a very vague statement to where you think, okay, it's one sacrifice for Matt Webster, for Joseph Parker, for, you know, just keep working. Not like that. It's one sacrifice for everything you have need of. You think about that. One sacrifice for everything that you have need of. 
<clears throat> so it couldn't just be that, that you slit his throat and then you put the blood on the altar. He chose to let them stripe him. He chose to let them so disfigure him just so that your sickness, your infirmity, your weakness, your, all those things would be not be put on some lamb that just for a year, but would be put on the perfect lamb. And I like to make this very clear and strain at this so much because it's so easy in your own mind to think, well, I guess he just redeemed me. I guess I can just accept that I'm redeemed. My eternal destination is secure. All that's good. That's only one part of it. He came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, I've sent my word and I've healed all of your diseases. And again, I share that with you how much I love that little three-letter word, that word all. Inclusive. That word's inclusive. When he said, I sent my word and I healed all of your diseases. Well, you know, he healed of my messed up foot, but it didn't hurt my back. He didn't hit my back. Well, I have a messed up ear, but I have, no, no, all. And God hid in his simplicity. The most complex, the most, there's so highest of highest, but he can make himself so simple that even a child can understand. He said all. And you have that, that Satan will tear this down in your mind so part well, he don't mean me. Maybe you, but he don't mean me. Or the thing that he's had the most success out of, that those days are over. Those days are over. Days of miracles are past. Oh, apostolic age. That ended when the Bible ended. Again, you don't know the scripture. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same. Who is your sacrifice again? Wasn't it Jesus Christ? Wasn't that his name, Jesus Christ? All right. Your sacrifice. The one that did this for all of your, your iniquities, your sins, your, your so all, right? So Hebrews says, chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Not, no, you mean, with, no, no, you got to tell it out. The Bible's over. That, you can't, you got to scratch that and today part out. No, not today. Not today, today? Right now. It changes. I say this all the time, and I don't want to sound like a broken record. It changes your perspective and how your approach to God when you get a good revelation that he's not just the God of yesterday, that he's not just the God of before the foundation of the world, that he's not just the God of of in the millennium or in that great city when that, that 1,500 square mile pyramid city comes down and sets up on the earth. Not just God then, but he's God right now. That he's the same God that hung on the tree for you is sitting right now in your heart if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost. Exact same God. Got quiet. Exact same God. Do you realize tonight, whatever date it is, July 27th, 28th, whatever it is, 2022 for just a few more days, the same one that looked at the Red Sea and the sea got scared and rolled out of the way, if you're full of the Holy Ghost, is sitting in your heart tonight. See, that's Jesus Christ the same. The same one. The prophet said that he looked down with angry eyes and the sea got scared and rolled back. The same one. Like time's always my enemy. <clears throat> Let's jump over to Exodus chapter 34. I, don't, I can't spend much more time in John tonight. I want to lay down where I'm going with this, that unveiling. 
And I wanted it to say unveiling when I was praying about it and thinking about it. I, I was wanting to, I was trying to put down unveiling and I, I wasn't allowed to. And, and the reason, I heard a brother, and I'll share this with you because we'll, as we read this, I want you to understand because it's so easy to go through the Old Testament and not understand because it's in 4,000 years ago and we don't have similar customs that ours is now. But uh, just as we get ready to come into this, in this veil of God, in this tabernacle, and, uh, and, and what God has done, not just then, but now in you. Because everything of this is a parallel and shadow and type of you right now. That's a heavy statement, ain't it? As you designed that tabernacle, as God spoke to Moses, and, and, and it said that Moses, there was no other prophet like him, that God spoke lip to ear him. You understand the scripture says that about Moses? Everybody understand that? The Bible says that God spoke lip to ear to Moses. Everybody understands that? Okay. So, and, and we'll get to that. I just want to make sure you understand as we read these. But as God told him how to build that tabernacle in the wilderness, and we spent a lot of time lately on that tabernacle, the outer court, inner court, holy of holies, that's your body. That's just a type of your body. As he's explaining, because it had to be broke down and tore down and moved every time they moved. That, that temple, that tabernacle in the wilderness. That as the altar of God, as, as all of those things, those articles and furniture that was in that holy of holies. If you come through Numbers and Exodus and it's describing each of the men that were allowed to go in there. Much less each of the men that were allowed to touch. Some of the men, the Kohathites and the Gehesonites or something like that, they were allowed to go in that room of the Holy of Holies, but not until everything was covered up. You understand? That they had men that were allowed to help pick it up and move it. That way they would help the Levites as they moved that temple of God everywhere they went. Now, <clears throat> as he had him lay it out, you have the outer court, you have the inner court. They were all uh, skins. You understand? They couldn't go to a tent store and say, I want a tent, uh, you know, so big, but so big, but so big. You understand? They didn't have that. So they had to make them out of skins. So you had your outer court, you have your inner court that was a skin of a clean animal. You understand that? <clears throat> the outer court, the inner court was allowed to be built out of skins of a clean animal. The holy of holies was used in badger skins. You understand? Now, a badger skin is not a clean animal. I don't know. Only a few of you here know what a badger is. Most people have never seen one. Most people don't have any clue what a badger is. A badger will fight a lion. It'll lose, but it'll fight a lion. Not a good, not a good one. Not, not a good animal. Not a good. Why would he use that animal's skins to wrap up the Holy of Holies? You understand what I'm saying? I'm not lost anybody now. I know it's 820 on a Wednesday night. Why would he use those skins to wrap up the Holy of Holies? The worst of the animals. Because that same tabernacle deity now lives in this flesh. The worst of all the animals. I don't know what you think of yourself, but a human's about the worst thing on the planet. Because of the sin, because of curse, because of the fall, you're about the worst thing on the planet. I heard a guy saying here recently... Um, someone raised up the Indians or whatever it was, said that, that all of his life he was taught that if the buffalo die off, we die off. If this dies off, we die, this animal dies off. This animal, the bees die off, then we die off. But we're the only animal that if the humans die off, everything else survives. Beware the hand of man. Beware the hand of man. Because of the sin curse, because of that, that unrestored, that unrepented heart. You gotta be, but, but God in his mercy would tabernacle. 
That's pretty heavy. Exodus chapter 34, verse 27. The Lord said unto Moses, and the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words, after the tenor of these words, now again, I, I believe God believes his own word. We might, we might struggle with it, but God believes his word. And God will bring to pass that which he has said. He said, write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words, I've made a covenant with thee and with Israel. I wish we could have time right now to jump into a subtopic on God's covenant with his people. You'd walk out shouting, I promise you. God keeps his covenants. Verse 28, he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. They're on Mount Sinai. He was there 40 days, 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. 40 days, 40 nights. No bread, no water. You know, that's actually impossible. You'll die. Three days without water, you'll die. 40 days, 40 nights. See, like I said, if you're not thinking about these things, you're reading them through, no big deal, no big deal, no big deal. Wait a minute. I skipped three meals, four meals. I'm not a nice person anymore. 40 days, 40 nights on Mount Sinai. 40 days, and he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. How did he sustain? Because who he was with. 40 days, 40 nights. He did, not either, he did neither eat bread nor drink water. He wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, from being in the presence of the Lord, from being in that Shekinah glory, from being, listening, talking, communing, hearing from the Elohim, the creator of molecules and fabric of time and all that exists. He was in his presence 40 days, 40 nights. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony. I thought it was laws. No, it's testimony. Two tables of testimony in Moses' hand when he come down from the mount. That Moses wished not, Moses didn't understand, didn't know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. The skin of Moses' face shone, glowed. It, 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 it emitted a light. And he's on Mount Sinai, and, and if you just fast forward about 2,000 years, you have Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And their testimony was that a light shined about him, and he, his, even his clothes shined just as bright as a noonday sun. The light of God. And Jesus would make that statement, you are the light of the world. You are. We just talked about it. You abide in him, and he abides in you. And he is that light, and if he abides in you, then you're that bright. He wished not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, they behold the skin of his face, it shone. And they were afraid to come near him, to nigh him. They were afraid to even come near him because his face was so bright. Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel come nigh, and he gave them in the commandment, in commandment, all that the Lord has spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till, till Moses, again, our app doesn't italicize, that word till, telling a point of time, a reference of space of, of measured time, until and 
till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off. When Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, and Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Now, if you'll just turn over to chapter 40, Exodus chapter 40, I want to just put that in there so we understand that as well. And then we'll jump over to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. <coughs> Excuse me, Exodus chapter 40, verse 18. Chapter 40, verse 18. Moses, uh, again, God had given everything uh, this exact design how to build this temple. And now Moses began to build it. This is just five chapters later, uh, six chapters later. Uh, verse 18. Moses reared up the temple or built the temple and fastened his sockets, set up the boards thereof, put in the bars thereof, and reared up his pillars. He spread abroad the tent over the tabernacle, put the covering of the tent above it, above upon it, as the Lord commanded Moses. He did what God said, according to what God said. He took and put the testimony, again he's calling it the testimony, into the ark and set the staves on the ark and put the mercy seat above upon the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the covering and covered the ark of the testimony as the Lord commanded Moses. As he commanded Moses. Now if you'll jump over to 2 Corinthians with me. Second Corinthians chapter three. Now we were reading just a few Wednesday nights ago about that ministration of death, and we were in this same area, in this same vein, and and, and I want to just 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 get a little bit further past that to make this point. Second uh, Corinthians chapter three. Let's go to verse thirteen. And not as Moses. Uh, well, we can go to verse twelve. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. They could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. Their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. The veil, as Moses would read those words, they would hear it, they would hear it with their actual faculties of being able to process sound, but it would not get into their mind. It would not even sit down into their heart. They were veiled to where they were not able to grasp and not able to understand. But he said, not as Moses. Not as Moses as far as what's been done now. And that's what they were blinded. <clears throat> this veil has been done away in Christ. But even unto this day, this is Paul writing, after Christ, this would have been, I don't know, 15, 20 years after the death of Christ. Well, that's sure the exact time frame. But so it was already after the price was paid, over after the atonement was given. He said, even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. The price has been paid. Christ has been given. The sacrifice is made. There's no longer a need for it. No longer a need for that veil. But even unto this day, when Moses read, they keep the veil upon their heart. They keep the veil upon their heart. You know, as he died and he's hanging on the cross and he's saying, it is finished. As soon as he said the words, it is finished. And again, I love the plainness and simpleness of God when he makes the statement, it is finished. 
Everything was finished. Your redemption, your healing, everything that was under that blood atonement, it was finished. Not one day I'll get healed or one day I'll be forgiven. No, already done. We sang that song earlier. It's already done. It's already done. He did it. Not by me. He did it. Now, as he died, the scripture says that the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Rent in twain. This veil on this temple is not just a fabric veil. It is a very, very thick veil. And it wasn't just like if you're coming through a pile of curtains and you find the edge and you just work your way through. You understand? I'm getting through. I'm, I'm ripping it apart. I'm pulling that veil back. No, it was grabbed from the very top and shredded. Shredded. You understand what the scripture says? We don't have time to go to it. He grabbed it and ripped it. For example, he's dying on the cross. He's saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabbatani. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Probably at the same time, Caiaphas and whoever else is in the temple are singing that song and don't even understand that the lamb that that talks about is hanging on the tree. He's ripping it away, and they said, no, 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 we don't want that. We want this. This is comfortable. This is okay. Yeah, but you still die. You still die. You're still sick. Your sins are, your sins are still there. Nothing has changed. Why wouldn't you want something to change? But even unto this day, even unto this day, it's still over their heart. <coughs> Excuse me. Nevertheless, verse 16, nevertheless, when it, when it shall turn to the Lord, it shall turn to the Lord. We just described to you there in Exodus as Moses would come out to the people, his face would have to be veiled. When Moses would go back in and talk to God, his face did not have to be veiled. You, you follow me? That's under the old ministration, the new ministration of this covenant. It now, he said, nevertheless, when it shall be when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. You understand there are many spirits. Everybody understands that? There are many, many spirits. Uh, of the, uh, of the, uh, the, the third of the angels that Satan, Lucifer, drew from heaven, the third of the angels that he was able to pervert and to get the trick to come to his side, a third of those angels are as spirits upon the earth. They don't actually have bodies. There would be a demonic force now because they're no longer light. And if you're no longer light, you're darkness. And all darkness is demonic demonology. Light is not. So if you once were that, but now you're this. And the scripture talks about humans that do the same thing. We all. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty for what? Okay, I'm redeemed. That's good enough. It wasn't all he did. I'm healed. That's good enough. That's not all he did. No, he made a way. He made a way for you to go right up to his side and not die. And not die. But again, I don't have time to jump into numbers. Those are the men that were not Levites. They could not even walk into the Holy of Holies until the ark, the table, the showbread, all these articles had been covered up with these linen and these colors of blue and all these other things. They couldn't even walk in there or they had to die. Had to die. Uh, for example, on Mount Sinai, when the, when the Lord would come down upon the mountain, that if a beast, a deer, an animal, a bunny, anything, would touch that mountain, that animal had to die. I had no big deal. 
You walk up in there bebopping, chewing your gum, spitting around, kicking. No big deal. It's not the presence of the Lord. No, it was death. The, the priests, to go into that sanctuary, they would tie a rope around their foot. If they walked in there and were not dressed right in that presence, God would strike them dead and they would use the rope to drag their dead bodies out. I can go to the scripture and prove it to you. Drag their, they would, that's why they would wear bells. On their, that way they could, okay, I hear them still jingling. They must still be alive. Bells. Rope around the leg. Drag them out their dead body. A priest, not a murderer, not a liar or a con man, someone that transgressed something God did. Well, no, he, God's not that particular. He's not going to strain it that hard. If his word says it, that's what he requires. Amen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Well, I thought this, and I thought it'd be okay, and I didn't think it'd be a big deal. It's a big deal. If he says it's a big deal, it's a big deal. <clears throat> but us, the walking around badger skins, when it turns to the Lord, when that price is paid, we can tabernacle deity. Unveiled, Emmanuel. Not God with us. The children of Israel would testify, God with us. God's before us. God's in front of us. He's all around us. He's a pillar of fire to them. He's a cloud by night. He's a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. He stands as a wall of fire between us and our enemies. But that's God with we opened in John, he said, I will be in. Amen. You can't, we're not just talking about the unveiling of God. I'm not just talking about the opening of the word, what God has done in our day. I'm talking about that one that got unveiled, get unveiled by you. Amen. That one that said, let there be and created everything there is, now lives in there. That is unveiled by this ugly thing. Amen. Still feel normal? And ordinary and worthless. Because again, if you truly believe that he's the only thing that is worth, that he's your priority, and he thought enough of you to step inside, and you did not die. You did not die. I reread that to you on Sunday where John said in Revelation chapter 1 that, that I saw Jesus, the creator, the I am standing amongst those seven golden candlesticks, having those seven stars in his hand. And he said, when I looked upon Jesus, he said, I fell to the ground as dead. He said, I was dead. Well, no, I mean, we just kind of hanging out, me and Jesus. We got our own thing going and kicking it and all that. He was dead. He said he had to come over and lay his hand on me and bring me back to life. This is Revelation chapter 1. You can read it. Laid his hands on me and brought me back to life. God is very serious. Very, very serious. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to read this to you out of the message of the unchangeable God, 1960. March of 26. I don't have a paragraph, Charity. You just have to follow the words. But the works of Jesus Christ, the works of Jesus Christ is done by the Holy Ghost. When he comes to anoint the people. Jesus, we read that on Sunday. A comforter. I'm going to go away and a comforter is going to come unto you. And you think that the way that if you stopped right there, well, the Holy Ghost and Jesus must be two different people. They're not. He said, I will come to you. He made that very clear. I will come. He said when he comes, uh, the works of Jesus Christ is done by the Holy Ghost when he comes to anoint the people. Do you believe that? Anybody? Do, do you believe that? When he comes to know the people, he says, certainly we believe it. What would keep us from believing it? 
We, that's one of those spirits we talked about earlier that would keep you from believing that. Because God made the promise. God, settled, God said so, so that settles it. Man cannot do that. It's supernatural. It's something that man can't do. He said, I've just got just a couple more minutes. I want to explain that. Man cannot do nothing. It's God in the man. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. Now, as long as a branch is in the vine, it'll bear the fruit of the vine. Is that plain? If you've got an apple tree, pear tree, any kind of tree, and it's been producing, and then it falls off the tree, it just keeps producing, laying in the grass. No, no, it must be on the tree. Because that's where the life comes from. I'm the vine, you're the branch. As long as the branch is in the vine, it'll bear the fruit of the vine. Now, God always used men for his agent. That's why he used his own son to unveil himself. God did. He come down, took the form of man in order to die the death for man. The death for man. It was not just death, it was eternally separated. You understand? He took it. He went to hell for you. Do you understand? He did that for you. He come down and took the form of man in order to die the death for man. He could not die in the spirit, but he was put to death in the flesh. When God was in Abraham, God was in Isaac, God was in Jacob, God was in Joseph, God was in David. He was in all those people back there, them prophets and so forth. It was God working through men. Now, in this New Testament age, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses his church, sanctifies it, that his Holy Spirit might continue to carry the work of God on through all ages. And he's just the same today. If he isn't, or if it isn't, then we're false witnesses of this Bible. Think about that. Miracles, the days of miracle is not past. The scripture is still true. God is still God. He said, if that isn't true, then the Bible isn't true. It's time that men preach the gospel. It's time that the power of God was made known. When heathens were trying to step on that word, we need men like the Hebrew children saying, our God is able to deliver us. That's right. He said, God remains the same. God remains the same. Let's go back to John chapter 15. We'll try to pick a spot to stop here just to, in a few minutes. John chapter 15. <clears throat> go back to verse 8. John chapter 15 verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified. That you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Now, we, we said that earlier, and we say this as, as much as I possibly can. The Word of God is a prophet. I don't believe that God was just telling, okay, you 12 disciples, huddle up right here. Um, this is just for you, just for you, just for you. No, the Scripture has provisions to as many afar off as the Lord our God shall call. 
You believe that? As many afar off, Joe says that, and Peter says that, as many afar off as the Lord our God should call. Are, are you those call you? You sang earlier that you felt the pull, that you felt the call of God on your life. He said, these things have I spoken unto you. You write your name right there. He spoke that to you. You're sitting in this room right now tonight. This is the Lord Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's God that fills all time and space. He said, I've spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that? How can you be down? How can you be discouraged? Again, faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. The word is right. doesn't matter what mood I'm in. The word is right. He said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. There's not a percentage rate in there. There's not if I do 10% of what he says or 50% of what his fans. He said, you do what I said. Henceforth, I call you not servants. I don't call you servants. Now he's making a distinction between a servant and not a servant, between a servant and a friend. He said, henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I called you friends. For all things that I've heard of my Father, I've made known unto you. Not a servant, but a friend. Abraham was called a friend of God. He said, a servant doesn't know everything that's going on. But the one that gives understanding, that gives revelation, he said, I will make these things known unto you. A servant would have, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But a friend, I know. He revealed it. He said, you've not chosen me. <clears throat> this kind of smashes the, uh, the Mormon doctrine to pieces. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you. And ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, there's where it gets sticky. Love this world or things of this world. You're not meant to be a part of this world because you're not from here. You're not meant to look like them, smell like them, talk like them, walk like them. He says if you were of the world, of the people of this world, the world would love you. They wouldn't have a problem with you. They wouldn't, ma- they wouldn't hate you. They wouldn't do anything to you. The world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, I pray that your heart saying, I'm not from here. I'm from a heavenly kingdom. I've been translated into that kingdom. He said, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant's not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they've kept my saying, they will keep yours. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. No cloak for their sin. You understand what that means? If a person is an adulterer, a fornicator, a liar, a whoremonger, a thief, a murderer, all those things, if he was never told this is wrong, then he's in ignorance. I didn't know it was wrong. I see I, murder. I see you know, nature kill things all the time. You know, that lion killed that thing, and, and you wouldn't think of it on. But, but when the truth comes, you're now, uh, you're, you're now uh, accountable to the truth. You're now accountable to it. Well, I didn't know that was wrong. Well, now you do. Now what are you going to do about it? This is where it goes from just sin to iniquity. 
Iniquity is knowing what's right and not doing it. Going the other way. Doing something else. He said, he now no cloak for their sin. There's no way to hide. You can't say you don't know. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I not done among them the works which none other man did. You, you would agree with that? They would say none other man spake like this man. What kind of a man is this? They'd ask that question. What kind of a man is this that even the winds and the waves obey? How many people here tonight know someone personally acquainted with that you've seen them on a boat and they made the winds and the waves calm down? Don't happen every day. Kind of a big deal. And that was their testimony. If you had someone, I've got a buddy of mine, I watched him walk on water. You should meet this guy. It's going to get around. It's going to be like nobody else does that. So it's a big deal. And he says that the, these things that I've done, he said, I'm not done among them the works which another man did, but these things no one else could do. They had not known sin. Not, he had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this comes to pass that the word which might be fulfilled that is written in their law, their law, why is it not still called commandment? Why is he not calling it a testimony? This is the same one that spoke to Moses. Because they took it and twisted it. They added to it. It went from ten commandments to how many hundred? I don't remember the exact count. How they, you had to have all these certain tinkling. You had to be certain washing of pots and all these things. And if you didn't do it, then you would have been stoned yourself. <clears throat> he said, in their law. It's written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But... When the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit. Man, listen to this description of this person. When he comes, he's going to comfort you. Anybody ever been comforted before? You were really sad, you were really despairing, you were really down, and, and someone had the ability to come alongside and, and give you comfort and made it better for a moment. Anybody? Nobody? You, you know what it's like to be comforted. And this one that would come, that would give you comfort, you, you can take a heart believe, I believe I'll be comforted. He said, I'd be comforted. He said, but when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, he is the spirit of truth. He is the spirit of truth, not the spirit of error, not the spirit of ignorance, not the spirit of blasphemy, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is one person that is the way, the truth, and the life. That's not two people, three people, a hundred people. There is one person who is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, when I send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, the revelation of Jesus Christ to you. And you also shall bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Oh, uh, AD 33, uh, when you were born, that beginning... Several were younger than him. That's not the beginning he's talking about. He said, if you had no part from me in the beginning, you have no part with me now. Before the foundation of the world. Jump into Romans 8. Just read Romans 8 for four or five times and see if you don't see that. You love the Lord tonight? Aren't you glad that he sent his Holy Ghost? Aren't you glad he has mercy on us and, and open our eyes to see his word? Let's all stand to our feet and have our musicians come tonight. I did not get very far at all into that. I apologize. I should have. I didn't want to hold you long being a Wednesday night, but I pray the Lord open that up to you. As I said, many <clears throat> Satan's Satan's success that he's had is to water the word down to where that you don't believe it. He's had marvelous success. Do you agree? You think about parts of the word that even you don't believe, and you've been a Christian for how many years? 
You don't really believe it yet. Because once you believe it, it comes manifested in your life. But there is one here that will take away all doubt, all fear, who is the spirit of truth, who loves you more than life itself. You see, all of it intertwines so, it's so beautifully. It's not just that he's all power. It's not just that he's some dictator with all these rules and commandments and statutes and judgments. It's not just that he's very, very old. It's not just that he's very, that, that he fills all time and space. But the key to that point is this one that's all those things loves you more than life itself. More than life itself. And wants you to know him more than life itself. God bless you tonight. All my life you have been so, so.
there's a place my eyes can see.
are so good. Your mercies, Lord, are new every morning. How sweet, how kind, how gracious, how good you are. And we adore you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word tonight. Lord, your word is real. Your word is true. Your word tells us uh, where we came from and who we are and where we're going. How we love you, Lord God. You didn't have to, you, you could have just left us alone and, and, and never ever tell us things about yourself. We could have just wandered through life, just redeemed, just saved. But you're so good to us. You didn't want just a redeemed property. You wanted a mate. You wanted a wife. You created Adam, male and female in spirit. You had him on the earth. He was God upon this earth. He was able to move mountains, be able to move trees, be able just to calm winds from blowing. Yet he was lonely. And you yourself make that statement. It is not good for man to be alone. Lord, and that was just a character, an attribute of you. Where you were longing for so long you had been alone and you wanted a helpmate. You wanted someone to minister unto you. You wanted someone you could talk to. Someone that would believe you when you spoke. Someone that would believe you when you spoke, Lord. Lord, what a strange way to say that. But the way our enemy has watered down your word and, and, and made things that you've said almost seem like none effect. The scripture says that they, through their vain traditions and commandments of man, they made the word of God of none effect. The same word that made the sun burn made air breathable, that same word Lord, the same word that you spoke and said come unto me all ye that are laboring heavy and I will give you rest Lord I appreciate you so much Lord thank you for being so kind to reveal yourself to us, to open our ears to open our eyes, to open our hearts and our minds so we might accept this beautiful word of life Lord not just some dead letter, not just something that's, that was preached years ago, hid in a cave or in dust or anything like that, but a living word from a living God, a living love letter to his wife, Lord. Thank you for quickening your word to us. Thank you for bringing your truth in, in, in our grasp, Lord, not just, you know, just out of reach or unattainable, but brought it right up to us so we can grab it and take hold. Lord, let us not fail to do that. At each one here tonight, purpose in their heart, make a, a sworn commandment and covenant with you, Lord, that I will not be the same way I was. I will not unvalue your truth, unvalue your presence, Lord, but I will treat you like the treasured priority that you are. From this moment on, Lord. I will not let this world distract me. I will not let the things of life, the cares of this world, that sin that might easily beset, I will shove it aside and I will grab hold of the way of life. I will grab hold of the person of truth and I'll never let you go, Lord. Let us purpose that in our hearts, Lord. Coming up on to a, a, a new year, Lord, in just a few days. Many people make all these great proclamations and these great big statements. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll, I'll, I'll let this go, and I won't do that no more. I'll do something better, Lord. But, but let us purpose in our heart, Lord. I will walk closer than I ever have before. I will live nearer than I ever before. I will surrender more myself than I ever before. I will love you. I will live for you. I will walk with you more than ever before. Let us each one here tonight, Lord, make that covenant with you. I will not be the same person I walked in here tonight, Lord. My life has been changed by your word. And I'm grateful for it, Lord. Your love, your word, your truth, it's 
changing us, not from just the, the normal, uh, mean old people we used to be, but, but into creatures of life, of light, that you would be pleased to dwell in, Lord. And you don't dwell in junk. You don't dwell in trash. You won't live in a dirty house, Lord. You're, you're not going to live in something that's eat up with sin and, and unbelief and, and iniquity, Lord. But you'll clean the place up. You'll, you'll make it a, a, a place that be fit for you to dwell in, Lord. I think about Isaiah 6 and, and those angels that live in your presence. And they have six wings. And all day long with four of their wings, they, they cover their face. They cover their head. And they just fly around in your presence all day long. And all they do is cry out, holy, 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 holy is the Lord. Yet many times we don't value that way, Lord. Forgive us, I pray. Have mercy on us, Lord. Bless my brothers and sisters. Draw us nearer to thee, we pray. Bless us as we go our separate ways. I pray you be with us in our week, Lord, as we go out to face the the trials that remain for us for this week. I pray you'd help us to face them with joy, Lord. Joy in our heart. You said that, that, that you would give us your joy so that our joy might be full. Let us go face our trials, our tests, our struggles, whatever it might be, with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, and go conquer everything Satan throws at us. Have mercy on us, Lord. We love you and we adore you and we pray you bring us back here safe on Sunday with even more of you in our heart, Lord. We adore you. We give you honor and praise in your precious and lovely name. Again as you go.